My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful, my Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Lord Jesus, we come into your presence in this time of prayer, confident of your love for us. Our Lord looks upon us as he looked upon all of his disciples, those that he called directly when he was here on the earth, those that were even closer to him when they were called to be apostles. To those apostles, Lord, you said, I have called you my friends. I no longer call you my servants, but I have called you my friends. What a wonderful thing, friendship with God through friendship with our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we can talk to him. That's why we try to spend this time together with you, Lord Jesus. We can tell you our things. We can try to listen to what you're trying to tell us. And our Lord's friendship is a real friendship. Many of you have probably heard Aristotle's definition of true friendship, perfect friendship. And he says that true friendship or perfect friendship is distinguished from other forms of friendship because in perfect friendship you love your friend for the sake of your friend, for the sake specifically of your friend's virtue or your friend's goodness. Other forms of friendship are more self-centered. And so you might like someone because they're funny or because they do some favor for you. They're useful or pleasing to you in some way. In perfect friendship, you love your friend and your friend loves you um, for virtue, for your own sake. And this is actually how St. Thomas Aquinas defines charity. Thomas Aquinas defines charity as friendship. And it has this specific characteristic of loving the friend for the sake of the friend. And so when Jesus says, I have called you my friends, he's telling us that he has a very special love for us. Lord, for you to love me as a friend is for you truly to wish my good, is for you to see my potential and want me to be better. And at times this is difficult. At times, Lord, because you're a true friend, you have to correct me. You have the honesty and the loyalty and the fortitude to point out things to me that need to be changed. And sometimes they're sometimes they're big things and they're and they can be hard to hear. Our Lord treated his closest apostles in this way. Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised, we read in the Gospel of Matthew. Then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. And so we we see here, Lord, in a way, Peter's friendship for you. Who would want their friend to be killed and to suffer greatly from the hands of his enemies? 
Who would ever want that for his friend? And so we see that Peter cares for you, Lord, that he loves you. And so he tries to intervene and keep you from this. God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. But Jesus knows that this is God's plan. Jesus knows that this is what he has to do to love us even more, to redeem us. Jesus knows that this is what he has to do to enter into his glory. He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. And so here is an instance where Jesus' love for Peter, Jesus' friendship, leads him precisely to correct him, and to correct him in a very strong way. Get behind me, Satan. Satan, the enemy, the enemy of God, the rebel. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. And so, does this mean at this moment that, that Jesus doesn't love Peter? Does this mean at this moment, Lord, that you are not his friend? On the contrary, Jesus has a great confidence in Peter. Jesus, just before this, in the same passage, our Lord Jesus just made Peter the head of the church, saying, on this rock, I will build my church. And so when Jesus corrects Peter, it's a sign of his love for him. It's a sign that he has a great confidence that Peter can receive that correction and can be more supernatural and can have more faith and can be in on God's plans. And so we can ask our Lord in our prayer, Lord, is there anything in my life that you need to correct? Is there anything in my life that I'm not viewing supernaturally enough? Is there anything, Lord, in my attitude, in my decisions, where I'm thinking not as God does, but as human beings do? Where, Lord, I need this same correction that you give Peter. Show it to me, Lord. Tell it to me, because I want to improve. I want to truly be your friend. And so correction is not a sign that, um, that Jesus doesn't love Peter. Correction is not a sign that Jesus is not Peter's friend. On the contrary, in the book of Revelation is a wonderful line where you, Lord Jesus, say, I reprove and discipline those whom I love. Be earnest, therefore, and repent. I reprove and discipline those whom I love. Be earnest, therefore, and repent. There's a similar passage in the letter to the Hebrews. Endure trials for the sake of discipline. God is treating you as children. For what child is there whom a father does not discipline? Right, So the, the love of a father for the child leads him to correct the child because he wants the child to grow. He wants the child to be better. He wants the child not to keep going down false paths, paths that are harmful, paths that don't lead to improvement, that don't lead to a better life that don't lead to God. And so we can ask our Lord, Lord, I want to be a true friend of yours. I want to be a friend of yours that wants your good and that lets you want my good. Right? That definition of friendship, that, that the true friend wants the good of the friend for the sake of the friend and for the sake of the friend's virtue. Well, we have to let our Lord love us in this way. We have to be open to our Lord 
pointing out things to us that need to change. And this is a great sign of, of God's confidence in us. This is a great sign that he knows what we're, what we're capable of, that we're capable of changing, we're capable of being humble enough to accept his corrections. And so we can look at our life, maybe look at our last few confessions, maybe look at our examinations of conscience, and perhaps we can see something that our Lord wants to correct. Lord, when you look at my life, Jesus, when you look at my confessions, when you look at my examinations of conscience, what is there that you want to point out to me that needs to change? And Lord, give me the confidence in you to be able to change it with your help. Give me the courage to be able to change it with your help. Help me to pick up the cross that right after correcting Peter, you say that the cross has to mark the Christian life. The cross is a sign of being your disciple. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And sometimes that cross is precisely accepting that correction, making that conversion that costs us because our defects are part of our character, they're part of our habitual way of being. We go to Our Lady and we ask her for this great trust in Jesus. Our Lady, Our Mother, give me a trust in your Son that leads me to accept the things that he points out to me that need to be corrected. Give me a trust in your son that helps me to let him change me in any way that he wants. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.